You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to Ask the Sheikh on Radio Ramadan. Uh, my name is Usman. I'll be your host for today. Um, and inshallah, today uh, we'll be having Sheikh Amir Jamil. Um, so we're just going to give a quick introduction to Sheikh Amir before um, we bring him online. Um, he is, he's been described as the Sunday Herald as one of Scotland's most prominent and respected Muslim thinkers. He holds a law degree from the University of Strathclyde and he has spent 10 years studying Islamic sciences, including six years with distinguished scholars in the Middle East, including Syria and Yemen. Um, in 2009, he's founded the Solas and Isilbus Foundation with Sheikh Rizwan Mohammed. I'm sure most of us in Glasgow know uh, Sheikh Amr well. Uh, I think he is online right now. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. alaikum. Assalamualaikum Sheikh Jazakal Khair for coming on um, I know it must be a busy time for you in Ramadan um, especially obviously I know you're always busy but particularly in Ramadan so just Jazakal Khair for coming on uh, and agreeing to talk about today's topics on, on the etiquettes of fasting No problem um, So Sheikh we've got a couple of questions in already um, uh, I think Azhar you've been We've been looking through a few of the options um, that people have been phoning in already, asking around um, regarding the etiquettes of fasting. So we wanted to look at more of the basics to begin with. So just to ask for your um, opinion, for whom is it that must fast during this month? Is there any specific exemptions that should occur for people? Um, we had uh, Nazim, Dr. Nazim Gowry on the show yesterday, and he gave the examples and explanations for those, for example, that are pregnant. But that was more for a medicinal point of view. And just wanted to check from your point of view as a sheikh um, what the kind of views would be on that. So alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulullah Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah So the, the basic premise is that everybody fasts Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran Man shahida minkum shahra fal yasum Whoever witnesses the month should fast So it's quite clear that everyone uh, fasts And then it mentions uh, the different people who may not have to fast It says Alladheena yutayponahu the, those who are um, like in chronic old age, uh, chronic illness or old age. So basically, physically they just physically they can't um, fast. Um, or mankana maridan or ala suffering that if somebody was ill, somebody was sick, um, and therefore not able to fast, or somebody was travelling, then those people um, can make up the fast at a later date. So that's just the broad categories. There are um, other people like um, pregnant women or women who is breastfeeding if they have legitimate fear for either their own health or the health of the baby, which um, I, I think Dr. Nazim covered uh, yesterday how to determine that. Um, because obviously you can't just have people um, just deciding, okay, I'll do that and fast. It has, it has to be based on something concrete. So there's three main factors you base it on. Either it's past experience. So let's say somebody uh, had a certain condition and they fasted in the past and it made them worse. Mm. So they know from past experience that I can't fast this length of time. Or it's um, the opinion of a... Uh, um, um, usually mention that it's a, certain, a Muslim doctor who's generally upright, meaning that they don't do major sins. Because if somebody's a, a doctor... Um, doctor and they don't really pray themselves, they don't really fast themselves. 
So we are dishing out dispensations uh, right and left and centre. So that's what was important to us. Who uh, practicing has enough understanding of of circle fasting and obviously the doctor, um, or something which is um, clearly uh, known to everybody. In other words, an obvious sign. So somebody who's got a certain condition to Google. Uh, you know, I've got this condition. What shouldn't I do? What what should I, what should I do? And they might say, like, you know, you must take your medicine every four hours, something. Otherwise, it can be harmful to your your health. Mm-hmm. So, although the person's not sought medical advice, it's something which is well known. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, it's got to be based on something. You can't just say, well, ah, oh, I don't think uh, I'll fast fast um, tomorrow. Uh, and you know yourself from you know just um, personal experience of fasting. Uh, you guys are fasting and fasting. Although it seems very daunting to fast 19 hours, but once you actually start doing it, your body adapts quite quickly. And also, there's that's a physical thing, but there's a spiritual dimension to that. Like that there's a certain type of barakah, a certain type of blessing that Allah Subhanahu wa puts certain amount of strength in you spiritually to do these things. So that's basically the, the God, the God um, categories. The, the important thing to remember a traveler, when you said traveler who uh, exempt or, or a traveler can fast, but it's up to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's not harmful to you, then it's better to fast. But you do have a dispensation not to fast. But that is somebody who's actually traveling before the time of Fajr. But at the time of Fajr, the stones last go, and maybe they've got flight later on the day. They have to actually fast that day. You can't just say that I'm traveling because your flight may get cancelled, um, anything can happen. And um, you have to actually, at the time that the day fa- the, the fast began, which is Fajr time, you have to be at a, a state of travel at that point. In other words, you have to be outside the boundary of your city. You can't be inside your city because then you're a resident. And if you're a resident, then the default position is that you fast. Okay. What would you do in the example if you left from Glasgow during the day and you flew over, for example, to say to New York and they're obviously in a different time zone? How would that work? So what would happen is um, uh, there's obviously there's if you're in Glasgow and you're not outside your boundary at, at the boundary of the city at um, Fudger time, mm-hmm. then you'd have to fast. So then when you get in a plane and uh, you know I've done that, I've, other people have done it. Then what you do is when it gets dark outside in the plane, so you see darkness on one side, another side is probably a bit kind of blue. Mm-hmm. Just make sure it gets really dark, and then just you can break the fast then. Right. Okay. No problem. Fantastic. Um, Sheikh, I know a couple of uh, people personally who have exams uh, during Ramadan. Um, so, and, and they were asking, uh, they, they were hoping to know if, would there be a dispensation for them to not fast during the day of their exam um, if, if it was during Ramadan? I don't know of any specific um, dispensation for somebody who's got exams. Um, but what happens is if you, if you fast and during the day you become ill, so if you if you're fasting and you during the day um, suffer from like a severe migraine and it's unbearable, then you're allowed to break your fast anyway. So you ta- you tell the person to begin the day fasting. The other thing is that with exams, um, uh, they're obviously going to get university students. They're not going to have any classes on at the moment because they've got exams. So they can they can flip their day around. Um, so what they do is. They can study um, during the night, so when after Maghrib, uh, they break the fast. They've got four and a half hours before they have to stop eating. So if you've just ate at half past two or three o'clock, 
um, and then they just work for about eight in the morning, come home, get to sleep. Because if you, you go to sleep at eight o'clock and sleep for eight hours, you get up at four o'clock, you can still play Zohar. Mm-hmm. Zohar doesn't come until later, so you just flip your day around. And um, uh, if, it's, if it's really affecting you, and um, you know, remember Tarawih, although definitely an emphasis on life, not be leaving it for any reason, but if you've got an exam the next day or um, it's affecting you, it's, it's, a, it's a choice between either that or not fasting, then fasting is fard, and so that takes priority. So, you know, you can um, break your fast at, at 10 o'clock, um, you've got four hours to, four or five hours to study, and then you can, once you kept your fast, you can, if you have your coffee wherever you want at two o'clock, mm-hmm. eat whatever you want, and then keep studying till about four, five, six o'clock in the morning, and then go to sleep after that. Okay. Okay. Um, just a reminder to everyone listening, uh, you can phone in on the number 0141-375-3434 uh, to ask your questions on uh, the topic of today, which is the etiquettes of fasting. Um, Sheikh, we've just got a question in here. Uh, they're asking what happens if they swallow water whilst doing, uh, whilst rinsing their mouth in wudu whilst they're fasting? Right, so if, if they were um, rinsing and, and water went down the throat, then the, the fast has broken. Okay. Um, because it wasn't intentional, um, all we need to do is, after Ramadan, make that day up, and there's no uh, penalty otherwise. Okay. And do we know, um, in that situation, whether that person would get the reward of fasting in, in Ramadan, or if it would just be the reward of a normal fast? Um, for the, the fast they're making up? Yeah. Inshallah, because إِنَّمَا in الْعَامَلُ intentions about the uh, action. So the intention was not to break that fast in the first place, it was an accident. So inshallah, the, you know, and this is the beauty of our, our religion, is that even before you do the action, you get rewarded for it. So the fact that they started the day with um, a good intention to fast, and had that not happened, they would have completed the fast. Inshallah, they'll get the reward for it. Okay, alhamdulillah. Um, we've had a couple of questions regarding um, the slightly more, not controversial, but different uh, topic of uh, timetables during Ramadan. Mm-hmm. So obviously you have different mosques, many, many different places in Glasgow, and they have slightly different sahur times. So how is it we know which one is it to follow? Um, and we had a question from a listener as well, just in saying they didn't hear the alarm uh, for their suhoor, but when they woke up in the morning, they, they gave the intention for fasting. Does, does that still count as a fast for them? Yeah, because uh, in, in Ramadan, uh, even if you make intention um, in mid-morning, mm-hmm. uh, what's called Dahwal Kubra, which is about an hour and a half, two hours before Dhuhr, as long as you're not yet or drank, drank anything, you're okay. So if they slept through and they uh, made the intention in the morning, it's fine. Um, okay. I mean, the Madikis actually say you only need to make intention at the beginning of the month and you're, you're, you're covered for the entire month. So um, there's, you know, uh, lots of ways of covering yourself with that. In terms of timetables that are differing, that's not something new for this year. That's been happening for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I was getting asked this question all the time, I've actually got a YouTube clip on this. If you Google my name and put in Ramadan timetables, um, I've got a five-minute clip explaining it in detail. But basically, the, the issue is that we are the, the time that we're fasting right now um, as you know, the day is very long, the night is very short, but true night doesn't actually enter, so uh, if you go out, uh, you know, it's, still, it's still quite blue, it's not, it's not dark, dark, like in the winter, mm-hmm. so because true night doesn't enter, 
it's debatable uh, of whether where when actually Isha comes in and when Fajr obviously begins. So based on that, um, uh, there are different timetables um, using different um, methods of determining what time Fajr, how you would determine Fajr time. So, um, uh, you know, one is that it just you go with you half the night. Uh, one is that you go with the nearest country to you that's got normal day and night, and you mm-hmm. use you use the percentage that they have of day and night to yours. Um, they're the two common common ones. The other ones you split the night into different parts. Uh, one of our uh, good scholarly friends, Doctor Sheikh Doctor Asim Yusuf, uh, he's written a whole book on this topic called The Light of Dawn, um, and 350 pages of research. So uh, he's got his own. Um, take on how we determine uh, the the beginning time of Fajr. So, mm-hmm. in other words, um, the, the scope here, so all of them have got some basis to them. And what I would say is to people is to, is to take one and stick to it. Okay. So, although, although the Central Mosque one is, I think, um, 3 o'clock or something right now, mm-hmm. so their, theirs is based on um, following the nearest uh, country for Ramadan. As you know, outside of Ramadan, their fajr is at half past one. Yeah. But some people, um, some people have asked the question, "Can I just fast at half past one? Mm-hmm. Just uh, you know, it's easier because I can just come back to Tarawih, have my sahur, and go to sleep, and then I can get six hours in before I have to go to work. They find that easier than than uh, following three o'clock. That's permissible as well. So some people are following half past one. Some people are following al Furqan's uh, timetable. Some people following uh, you know other ones. Um, from a, from a layperson's perspective, uh, they're all equally valid for you, and all you need to do is look at your personal circumstances and uh, go with what you feel comfortable with. But just stick to one of them. Okay, Jazakallah Khair, Sheikh. Um, just another reminder for everyone: you can uh, message us in on our Facebook page. Uh, I think it's facebook.com/slash Radio Ramadan. Ramadan with a DH in the middle, and you can also uh, phone in on 0141375 uh, we've got about two minutes before our next ad break. Um, just pertaining, um, there's another question actually just come in. Uh, there's a 13-year-old boy who's keeping a fast. Um, should he be doing PE? And does he get guna if he does not keep it? So the fasting is uh, a pillar of Islam, just like prayer is, uh, just like zakat, just like hajjahs. When does it become obligatory upon a person? It becomes obligatory upon a person when they go through puberty. So, um, if it's a, a young male, then it's when they have the first uh, nocturnal emission. So, if um, he's, is, I don't know, 13, like he could have gone through puberty or might not have gone through puberty, it all depends on whether he has or hasn't. If he has gone through puberty, then he needs to fast. He's like an adult. If he hasn't gone through puberty, then it's optional for him. For a girl, it would be her first period, so when she, uh, as long as she's over the age of nine, when she has her first period, then she becomes um, uh, an adult in Islam and she needs to, she needs to fast. So depending on um, if he's gone through puberty, if he's gone through puberty, he needs to fast. Um, uh, doing PE, that's, um, that's an optional thing. I mean, you can explain to the school who's fasting and doesn't want to do PE, and that's where the parents have to kind of, um, you know, speak to the, the school and, and explain that situation, but... I mean, I'll tell you my own personal experience. I remember fasting uh, in the month of May, in the month of June, um, when I was young. You're probably going to work out my age now. <laughs> but, um, 
I, I mean, I was, I was, it was before, it was before the age of puberty. I mean, it wasn't obligatory upon me, but I wanted to do it. And um, you know, I used to play cricket, used to play football. When you're a kid, to be honest, um, you know, you can play two hours of football with a with a fast, mm-hmm. and uh, you don't really feel it. It's when you get, it's when you become an adult, and you try and do that, you uh, struggle after half an hour. So I think some I think is actually even even easier for kids. Um, so if it's the bottom line, if he's gone to puberty, he needs to fast. Now we've had quite a few questions in over the ad break here, and we've got Osman actually has a few here ready for Sheikh Amr. Uh, yeah, so, um, Assalamualaikum, Sheikh. Um, uh, so, we've got a question about uh, a, a girl who is vomiting whilst fasting. Um, they're asking if she should keep it. The doctors have advised her not to, as it affects her health. Um, should she keep it in winter when there's shorter fasts? Um, and I've also been told something else. She has migraines as well. Yeah, that's um, really a kind of question for someone like Dr. Nazim. Mm-hmm. to determine so if if the doctors are already saying that most likely that is um, probably the the right position to take but if she can speak to a, a Muslim a Muslim doctor the thing with the Muslim doctor is um, because you, because a Muslim doctor or fast himself or herself they have personal experience of how it affects the body and and uh, in a better place to make that judgment mm-hmm. but um, if it's making the person physically unwell and unable to perform their normal day-to-day chores, then that would be a reason uh, not to fast. So uh, it's, it's unclear from the details um, how severe it is. It all depends on how severe the condition is. But from the way you're describing it, it sounds most likely that um, it would be... Uh, or what the other thing she could do is, uh, if she begins the day fasting and then comes unwell, they can break the fast. There's no sin involved in that. So if you... Start the day with the intention of fasting and become unwell, then you can also break the fast and then you can make it up at a later date in like say one, two months. Okay, uh, um, so I actually did have a question with regards to that, but I've forgotten it. Uh, Azur, do you know what I was thinking of? I have I no like... idea, I'm no. sorry. Uh, okay, well, we'll move on to the next question in that case. Um, so it's regarding uh, regarding Tarawi. Um, so uh, the pres- it's being asked about the importance of tarawih. Um They're saying they know it's not fard, but it's highly recommended. Uh, so I, th- I think perhaps what they're looking for is a bit of uh, an in-depth explanation of you know exactly how important tarawih is, maybe uh, how bad it is if you miss it or something like that. Uh, just trying to read between the lines here. Okay, so so the tarawih prayer is a specific special prayer that's only performed in the month of Ramadan. The hadith says, "Man tama Ramadan iman wahidat wufira lahu ma taqadim indandi." Whoever stands in the month of Ramadan with iman and looking for reward will have their reward, will have their um, uh, past and forgiven. So there's a lot of reward in that tarawih prayer. It's a sunnah prayer, communal sunnah prayer, which means that the community should establish it. Um, and obviously, it's more rewarding to pray in the masjid. Uh, however, it's permissible to be prayed anywhere. Um, the, according to the majority of ulama and schools of thought, um, the the length of it is 20 rakahs, and so as much as possible, you should try to read the full amount. Um, in saying that, it's um, it, because it's not, it's not a front prayer, it can be performed in the sitting position. Sitting position, I don't mean on a seat, I mean in the, the shahud position, which is the position you're at the end of salah, 
So if you're in that position, you can start, you can actually pray the prayer, entire prayer, which means you're absolved of standing. So if that makes it you know easier for somebody, um, they're struggling, they can sit down and pray. Um, although the reward will be halved, and it's a little bit uh, disliked, but it's still valid, and it's much better than reading the, the, the actual uh, Tarawi uh, prayer altogether. And um, on this note, I mean, it's something I've been I've been thinking about, and I think I'm going to want to post something on Facebook about this because I was talking to a few people about Tarawi prayers, and you probably noticed yourself already. It's only been a couple of days of Ramadan, and the congregation is starting to get smaller, smaller day by day, um, because you know people have been fasting for 19 hours, and um, it's it's not easy, and then they're asked to stand for an hour and a half of prayer. That's not easy either. Mm-hmm. And it actually mentions in the books of fiqh that uh, if the recitation is too lengthy and burdensome for the congregation, then the imam should recite short surahs like Allah had in In other words, short surahs to make the tarawih shorter and less burdensome on the people because a bigger congregation um, has more merit than a lengthier recitation. Now you find that in our city, in many cities, the most mosques will be doing uh, a khatam that they will read the, the entire uh, Quran mm-hmm. over the entire month. That is sunnah. However, like I said, it's sunnah, but if it becomes too burdensome for people, then they should actually make it shorter. So my suggestion um, is that we should have some mosques doing a khatam and some mosques doing short surahs. And that way people have a choice. People who have got work um, they've had a hard day, whatever it is, they can choose to go to the short one. Uh, people who have got more himma want to do the long one, they can go there, but we should have a choice of people. At the moment, there's no choice. The people either just don't go or they'll leave after eight. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's that's not uh, that's not that's taking care of the entire community. Now, interestingly, when I did Ramadan in the Middle East, and uh, I did it in a couple of different countries, a lot of mosques would actually just be uh, short surahs and there were some mosques that did um, the Khatam of Qur'an. So if that's in a Muslim country where the day shorter, uh, people work less hours in Ramadan, if that is the case there, then it's even more so uh, uh, you know, uh, important in our situation where it is difficult for people that we should be making things easy for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, for that, Sheikh. Um, we have another question about Tarawi here. Uh, um, it's just with regards again to Tarawi, Sheikh. People have been asking more with regards to the 8 and 20. If you can read, for example, 8 at the masjid and then you can uh, either just finish at the 8 or can you go home and continue with the remaining 12? Um, or would it need to just be either the 8 or the 20? Um, the, the sunnah is 20. So if you want to, if you want to complete the sunnah properly, then you should do 20. If you want to split that up between a few in the masjid and a few in the home, that's fine. Obviously, in the masjid, there's more reward. But like I said, everyone's circumstances are different. Mm-hmm. If someone's uh, extremely exhausted and finding it difficult and uh, wants to go home and read the rest of them in the house, then that, that's, that's fine. Okay, that's fine then. Other one thing we've asked about, it must be a husband and wife situation here, um, where they're asking whether if the men can read at home and can they take turns with their wives in terms of you know, childcare, can one go one night and one the other, can they alternate or should it be more specific for males? Or Well, I mean, this comes down to the whole question of um, whether it's um, 
uh, sunnah just for, for men or women. It's sunnah for both. Um, however, the emphasis on men going to the mosque is more than, than it is for women. Mm-hmm. So if they want to if they want to do that, if they want to take turns one day, one person goes, one day, other person goes, that's fine. I mean, whatever they're happy with. Okay. Um, and uh, a question for myself, actually. So if, if someone was to pray uh, Tarabi at home, uh, is there any uh, sort of rules um, or guidelines on what sort of surahs they should? Obviously, this person probably wouldn't be a hafith. So what, is there any... Um, advice on what sort of surahs they should uh, read would it be longer ones or would it just be uh, any ones it's whatever it's whatever they feel comfortable and whatever is um, not over overburdening them so if they've memorized you know 10 surahs uh, 20 surahs then they should try and rotate them not just read the same one mm-hmm. to rotate them uh, if they want to read long uh, rest, they want to have long recitation and they're happy and it's not too difficult for them that's fine as well okay is there a difference, Sheikh, um, with regards to you saying if people wanted to read shorter surahs, for example, at the masjid, if, if, if a mosque decided to do short ones, is there a difference in terms of reward, for example, if one mosque read the full Quran and another mosque read short, shorter surahs? Now, obviously, the more Quran you read, the, the more rewarding it is. But if, the, like I said to you, the, the, the books of Fiqh are very clear that um, a bigger congregation is more... It has more merit than a lengthier recitation. So if you've got one mosque where they're doing the khatam and there's 10 people there, and you've got another mosque and they're doing short surahs and there's a thousand people there, then the short short surahs are uh, going to have more merit because there's a thousand people there. Okay. Jazakallah uh, for that. Um, and in t- you were mentioning in terms of uh, the reward of the congregation, so does that mean that it would be more beneficial for the people in Glasgow um, to be going to congregations which are larger, would they be getting uh, perhaps more reward if they went to a larger congregation? I mean, in essence, I would say, look, go try, if you can. I mean, there's obviously Tarawih prayers going on in, in prayer halls and uh, like in schools and stuff in their own locality, which is fine. Uh, however, a masjid is always going to be more meritorious, and then a masjid which has got a bigger congregation is even more meritorious. But You've got to be practical as well because the time's so short; it's difficult for people to travel. So a lot of t- a lot of times, people will just go to their to their local place because of just the, the time. Okay, okay, that's right. Just a reminder for our listeners out there: if you want to ask any more questions to the Sheikh, then please do contact us. Phone is in on 0141 375 3434, or you can message us via our Facebook page, Radio Ramadan, and that's Ramadan with a D H. And we're here with Sheikh Ahmed Jamil, and we're continuing on with our questions on the etiquette of fasting. Okay, uh, I'm getting a question typed out in front of me. All it says is toothpaste so far. Um, Sheikh, I think you know where this one is going, so I'll, I'll let you just take it away. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, it's the, it's the most commonly question asked in, in Ramadan. I am going to be able to make a video about it, because uh, I'm tired of keeping answering the same question over and over again. I may have <laughs> I imagine. direct people to the video. Um, but basically... Um, anything which goes down your throat breaks your fast so anything you put in your mouth obviously you're, there's a risk that some, some will go down uh, into the, the throat mm-hmm. but if you can ensure that you uh, empty your mouth out and you spit everything out then it would be permissible so because of the, the like or because you're possibly may swallow your fast some other mass it's makro, uh, to use toothpaste in a day but it's, it's still valid to do so okay okay 
Um, so we've got a question here about um, smoking. Um, again, I think you know where this one's going, Sheikh, but they're asking the rulings uh, on smoke, uh, stopping smoking during Ramadan. Uh, and uh, this listener said that they have stopped, but they move on to e-cigarettes. Um, and they're asking if e-cigarettes are still permissible whilst they are fasting. No, they wouldn't be permissible. Um, what the solution to it is to use the connecting patch. So uh, that a nicotine patch doesn't break the fast. So if somebody's smoking and they're trying to give up and they're struggling during Ramadan, it's been a nicotine patch that you can't you can't actually inhale anything. Anything that's got a body, inhale it into your into your body. And the thing is, um, you get these people that say, you know, I've been trying to give up smoking for twenty years, can't do it. If you've fasted nineteen hours, you didn't have a fag for a whole month. That shows you can do it if you, if mm-hmm. you want to. Okay, perfect. Um, going on to a slightly different topic um, of zakat, we just wanted to ask um, if zakat, is it more of a um, blessing to give it during Ramadan or is it fine to give it any other time of the year? And if it is during Ramadan, is there a specific time during the um, the month period that is better to give in? Yeah. Unfortunately, I'd like to say it's just this area, but it seems to be so many of our areas we we are ignorant of the rules. And zakat is one of them. When I teach zakat and I still have this course, the first question I ask people is, which pillar of Islam is linked to Ramadan? And they'll say fasting. So Ramadan is about fasting. It's got nothing to do with zakat. Zakat is a completely different pillar of Islam. And zakat um, is calculated on, it's basically a different day for every person. My day will be different from your day, which will be different from Osman's day. Mm-hmm. Because zakat is, to do with the, the money, once it goes over a certain amount, which is called the nisab, you basically note that down as your date that you went over the the, the, the minimum amount. So the minimum amount, approximately, approximately, is about £2,600 at the moment because of the, the value of gold. is 87 grams of gold. Once you go over 87 grams of gold of savings, then you you write, so basically when I, I would do that, I would look at when did I go over that amount? It was on the 13th of April. Okay, 13th of April, was the corresponding Islamic day? It was the 21st of Rajab. Very simple, just Google it, turn to a calendar and you come up with a date. So my calculation date of the that is the 21st of Rajab, right? Your calculation date is going to be something else, another mm-hmm. person's calculation date is going to be something else. For some reason, people start calculating the Zadat in Ramadan, which is completely wrong. Um, and again, lack of, that's lack of knowledge. And um, I have no idea why people are so ignorant about this issue as a community mm-hmm. we are failing to educate people so uh, what you can do so if I calculated my zakat on the 20th of Rajab I would have looked at how much money I've got okay uh, I've got £10,000 I need to give £250 zakat now what I can do I can give the £250 in Ramadan but my calculation of my zakat has to be on my own date do you, do you follow me uh-huh. so calculating on one day but when I actually give it, I can give it any date. So, I, so if I say, well, oh, Ramadan's just around the corner, I'll give it in Ramadan because when I do it in Ramadan, the reward is increased. That's mm-hmm. fine. It's fine to do that. So it's fine to calculate it in one day. And then when Ramadan comes around, you give it up. You give your zakat. But to calculate zakat in Ramadan and give it away just because, you know, that's what you've been doing it is, is actually wrong. Uh, and people should, um, should um, be careful how and when they, they give their zakat. Okay, that's fine, that's good to know. Thank you, Jazakallah. Um, just a question, just wanting to ask, um, 
with regards to a, a couple of people have asked me a few of my friends are actually dentists and they were asking is it permissible a few of their patients have been cancelling appointments and they were wanting to say the reason the reason being was that they said that they're not allowed to go to the dentist while fasting so the question being are you allowed to go to the dentist while fasting and from my point of view as well in the pharmacy i'm working in we do the hudgy number of vaccines but a couple of patients were wondering in terms of are you allowed to have an injection during the month and if, I, if, if you don't mind me just uh, buying in there, uh, uh, there's also another question just come in which is similar, asking about eye drops uh, or ear drops and if they break the fast. Uh, so sorry sorry to give you so much at once, Sheikh. Yeah, so, so um, it's, uh, in terms of injections, um, the, the injections do not um, break the fast. Um, so it doesn't really matter what injections you have, it will not break the fast. Um, vaccines, insulin, uh, you name it, it's not really a problem. Um, in terms of the dentist now, I mean, you're a dentist, you can tell me better. Uh, in terms of when you are at the dentist, it's all about whether the um, uh, whether the anything goes down the throat. If you can ensure that nothing will go down the throat, then it will not invalidate the fast. So it's all about whether um, you know whether we deem that something has gone down the throat or not. If it's somebody just checking their teeth uh, and there's nothing really happening, it's okay. Um, but uh, um, if if something does go down the throat, then it would break the fast. So it depends. If it's not something urgent, then it's probably best to just wait until the end of Ramadan. Um, mm. And for you guys, if you're dentists and you've got more patients, to be careful that, that um, you know, when they're, because obviously when they're lying back, they kind of, kind of swallow, don't you? Every kind of, mm. uh, um, every kind of stop period you swallow. So it's, it's whether, you know, if you're, using, if you're cleaning their teeth, there's water there, isn't there? And that might be swallowed. Mm -hmm. So it's all about whether, we can ensure that nothing goes down. So if we can ensure nothing goes down, so it won't break the fast. If there is um, a likelihood of something goes down, so then they should avoid uh, avoid that if it's, it's not an emergency. Okay. In terms of eye drops, eye drops do not um, break the fast. Uh, in terms of ears, um, classically, scholars mentioned the the, the, the ear the would. Um, would break the fast because they deemed it as a, 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 a entry point to the to the what's called the gulf, which is like your inner body, uh, and they consider it to be connected to the throat. However, um, some contemporary scholars are of the opinion that eardrops don't break the fast because they have uh, we, are, we have obviously medical knowledge mm -hmm. now that it's not connected to the throat. So um, uh, there's a bit of a difference of opinion on that, but depends. Uh, which opinion you want to take. If you want to be precautious, it's not, uh, not necessary, then avoid it. If it's unavoidable, then you know that there's a position that allows it. Okay, Jazakallah Khair. Um, we've got about five minutes left before the Asr exam, uh, Adhan. Uh, so we've got one question here regarding what we were talking about earlier with the Tarabi prayer. Um, and they're asking if they can hold a Mus'haf, a copy of the Quran, uh, whilst they're standing behind the Imam uh, as officer during Tarabi. Uh, that's only permissible in the Shafi school from the four schools. The other four schools uh, don't allow it. They, they would deem that as um, an action which breaks, the, which breaks the, the prayer, deemed as an excessive action. 
So you'd only be allowed to do that in the Safi school, and if you're going to do that, you'd have to play as a Safi as well. Okay, Jacques um, Claire, and we've got another question about um, the hijab, and they're asking, does incomplete hijab invalidate the fast? Uh, when they go out to work, they leave their head, neck, and hands uncovered, but everything else covered. Okay, so so not covering your your hair um, is is sinful, uh, and some of the hijab is obligatory. However, it doesn't invalidate the fast. So so sinning per se doesn't invalidate the the, the fast. It doesn't mean that it's not sinful. It's still sinful. In fact, in Ramadan, as good actions are increased and multiplied, some scholars of the opinion that the bad actions are increased as well. So to do something in Ramadan, which is that's why you're supposed to be your best behaviour, it's worse than doing it outside of Ramadan. Mm-hmm. But if you do a good action, it's multiplied. So any action which is sinful is going to be multiplied in Ramadan. Um, so uh, it wouldn't break the system fast, but obviously it would be uh, a sin in, uh, entailed in that, whether it's in Ramadan or it's in Ramadan, and it's a possibility of being increased in Ramadan. But, you know, inshallah we make make dua for sisters who, who are uh, struggling to, to do it. It's not easy, especially in the current climate. And all we can really do is uh, encourage people. And um, inshallah, um, you know, uh, they'll hopefully start reading at some point in the future. Inshallah. I've just had a message through um, from a caller, and she was asking if you were to vomit involuntarily, um, whether it be if there's illness or something else, um, would you continue with your fast, or is it broken? Whether it be both a mouthful or less than a mouthful. If it's unintentional, it doesn't break your fast. Okay. And it doesn't matter whether it's like regardless of how much it is that you were to vomit, for example. It just be. It doesn't matter um, if it's unintentional. Then you can just continue. Mm-hmm. I remember happened once uh, I was in studying abroad and I think it was after us or something I vomited a, a, a significant amount but I, I just kept my fast and then, then the, the two days after I was out of it but mm-hmm. finished that fast anyway Okay <laughs> Alhamdulillah Okay um, actually, We've got about two minutes left before the Asr exam uh, Adan I don't know why I keep on saying exam <laughs> um, So uh, they're asking about doing itikaf uh, can they take their laptop with them uh, to do some uh, necessary work the whole point of it is to leave the world behind. So taking your laptop with you is not really uh, it's not really in the spirit of etikaf. Etikaf basically means to uh, to to remain uh, in a place worshiping Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So um, you shouldn't really take any distractions with you um, for the sunnah for the sunnah of the last ten days. If if it's un, if it's um, uh, you know, unavoidable, and you need to you need to like um, use laptop. Then at least, you know there is nafil um, nafil So nafil can be five minutes, an hour, two hours. So you can maybe um, you know go, go into the mosque, do it during the night, and then come during the day, do your work, and then go back at night. So that's you know it's, it's considered to be nafil So you can't do the full ten days properly. Then you can do nothing. Okay, Jazakallah uh, Khair, Sheikh. Um, we're going to have to wrap it up there, but we really do appreciate you coming on. Um, we've got about uh, 10 seconds before uh, the Asr exam. Uh, Adan, I don't know why I keep on saying it, <laughs> but Jazakallah uh, Khair, Sheikh Ahmed. <laughs> <is really, laughs> 
put it on your mind. <laughs> I've got an exam in two weeks, so I think that's probably why you're right. Um, but Jazakal uh, Khair for coming on, really do appreciate it. Um, and answering all these questions. I know you do get asked the same questions every Ramadan, and it must get quite frustrating, but we really do appreciate it. Jazakal Khair. No problem, For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at arc.score or check out the Arc Media app.